Welcome to the Women Influencers in Business and CRE podcast. I am Veronica Malalas, CCIM, founder and CEO of Capstack Commercial, a commercial real estate company serving the greater Orlando area. Today's guest is Cece Lassiter, Redevelopment Incentives Attorney from Sales Compass and Gross in New Jersey. She shared how a legal situation actually led her to becoming an attorney, a story you don't want to miss. Please don't forget to hit that thumbs up button and subscribe below. I welcome your comments and please share with someone who could benefit from this podcast. Hello, Cece. How are you? Hi, good. How are you, Veronica? I am good. My, that view is fantastic. And I know that you're in New Jersey in your office. So I appreciate the fact that you've taken some time to talk to me, especially for the benefit of the listeners of this podcast. So Cece, I am so excited to hear about your story of uh, how you grew up in your environment and how you got to where you are today. So please share with us this fabulous story of yours. Well, thank you so much for having me. I feel honored to be a guest of yours, and I really appreciate you letting me be here to tell my story. I grew up in Texas. My background is my mother's from Belize and Mexico, and my father's uh, half German, half Dutch. I lived in tech, born and raised in Texas, graduated from UT, University of Texas. Uh, my degree was linguistics, and I minored in French and Spanish. And I've always had a sense of adventure, traveling. I did a study abroad in Spain, Madrid, Spain, when I was in school. And after I graduated from UT, I sold my car and I bought a one-way ticket to Venezuela. And I backpacked for um, six months through South and Central America. Wow. (laughs) I know people are not expecting that. And then I moved uh, back up to Texas and moved to New York. And after living in New York for a year, I backpacked again through six months through Southeast Asia and Australia. And then when I came back to New York, that's where I met my husband in Manhattan. And that's how, then I will get into how I became an attorney. Uh, Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so you met in New York and my understanding is that he was already in the music industry. Am I correct in that? Correct. He'd been in the music industry way before for I don't know like 20 years way before we met he that's what he had been doing so what happened tell us so we worked out a lot at Chelsea Piers in the city and he became good friends with this gentleman who was the sports announcer for the Knicks at Madison Square Garden and they decided to go into partnership together and so they rented space uh, behind the limelight that's an old name (laughs) for some people (laughs) recognized. And my husband built out the recording studio for an entire year. And after a year, he put all his equipment in it. And when they opened, they were very successful. They had uh, Kanye West recording in there, ODB, Ja Rule. My husband worked on all the sound engineering. And after three months, his partner said, you're not partner. I'm sole owner because the lease was in his name only, not my husband's. And he changed the locks on the studio. And our son what? was, yes, <laughs> yes. And our son was um, three months old at the time. Our baby stroller was in there, his mom's batik from India, all of our, all of his equipment. And so we went to the only attorney we knew, which was an entertainment lawyer. And we said, you know, 
can you help us? And he said, no, I'm not a litigator. And we were so naive that we didn't even understand why he couldn't help us. And he said, that would be like you needing heart surgery and you go to a foot doctor. He said, I'm an entertainment lawyer. You need a litigator. So he sent us to a litigator and the litigator said, you have two choices. You can either call the police and say he stole your equipment or you can file a lawsuit. But if you file a lawsuit, the part the equipment belongs to the partnership, not you. And so we decided to file the lawsuit and we were two years going through litigation. We finally went to a five day trial and we did win. But during that whole trial, during that whole litigation, all the attorneys kept telling me, you should go to law school. You really get this like you really understand it more because we had to change law firms throughout the litigation and both law firms, the attorneys at both law firms told me that. So I told my husband, I said, I think I want to go to law school. And he said, okay, what do you have to do? I said, there's a Barbary course for $2,000. And he said, we can't afford it. We went to Barnes and Nobles and we bought a $75 book and with a little CD in the back where you put it in and take the test. So every night I would put my son to bed at seven o'clock and I would just take the test. I would just study and take the test all night. And then I got a good score and I got into New York Law School. Wow. Amazing. Isn't that crazy how certain things just open up opportunities because yeah. you've taken that negative and just turned it into a positive? Well, good for you. So you work for the law firm that you are in today. Did you always work for them or... Have you moved from law firm to law firm? So I, um, when I was at New York Law School, my senior year, I worked for McManaman, Scotland and Bauman, which is a small boutique law firm, and they specialize in bonds and they represent government entities. So of the 565 municipalities, they represent about half in some capacity, whether it's redevelopment council, bond council. Uh, municipal utility authorities. And so I worked there and I was fortunate enough because I graduated in 2009 during the recession. They liked my work. And after I worked there for one year, my senior year, they hired me full time, which was amazing because it was during the recession. And a lot of my law school friends did not have a job. And Basically, that is how I got into redevelopment, which is what I do today. Um, they introduced me to redevelopment, payment in lieu of taxes, pilots, and but working on the government side. And so I was with them for seven years, and then SILS recruited me to come work for them. And so I'm essentially doing the same thing I did at McMahon, but been now on the private developer side. So and I'm that and into redevelopment, working on very large-scale redevelopment projects in the state. That's awesome. And that being sales comes and grows, correct? Sales comes and grows. Yep, that's the currently way. Perfect. Yeah. So just two firms. So, <laughs> are, are, so, so wonderful. So you you are a land use attorney. Would that pretty much? I wouldn't say I'm a land use attorney. No, I would say I do more incentives. I started on the land use side, but I've slowly moved over to doing um, state and local incentives. So I do a lot of state tax credits. I work with the New Jersey Economic Development Authority, um, finding incentives for for redevelop for projects. Wow. And I read your resume and boy, you've done a lot in your career. So congratulations to you. Now, if there was one challenge uh, going through 
the course of your journey, right? The one challenge that you think that you overcame, what would that be? Well, I mean, I would have to say it's it's the lawsuit that that I went through uh, with my husband and and, you know, just being completely down and out at a time when we, you know, had our our child was a baby and just persevering through that and getting through that. And as you said, turning it into a positive. I mean, me and my husband always talk about it, that if it wasn't for, you know, that lawsuit, I, I might not have ever became an attorney. And now you know, I work at one of the top law firms in the state of New Jersey, and I'm co-chair of the incentives practice group. And um, so it was definitely turning something negative and challenging into a positive. Now, what in particular, if you can recall maybe one moment that, that really, you know, stuck out to you when you and your husband talked about next steps, was there something in particular that really kind of got you and was like very heart wrenching? And you said to yourself, no, I'm not going to let this defeat me. Was there anything that comes to mind at all as far as, as that? I mean, I wouldn't say there's a specific moment that comes to mind, but it's just, you know, knowing that, especially when you have children, you know, knowing that you have children and you have to be there for them and you can't let them down. I mean, another example is when I was taking the bar because I had my daughter my second year of law school. So I already had my son. I had my daughter my second year of law school, the second day, second year of law school. And I only missed four days. And then I went back to school on Monday and I went and I went back to school um, in my jeans. I fit back in my jeans and this student behind me tapped me on the shoulder. She said, she's like, weren't you pregnant last week? <laughs> and I said, yes, it was. And my teacher was like, you're getting an A just for that. But I think, and then, so when I took the bar, you know, I had to, I sent my kids to Texas uh, to stay with my mom and sister while I studied that whole summer for the bar. And just knowing that, you know, your, your kids are relying on you and that you just have to, you know, succeed and pull through because you want what's best for them and to give them a better, you know, opportunity in life. Wow, I totally admire that. And, you know, it's it's really interesting how a lot of my conversations with my guests here at this podcast really sometimes focus on very unique experiences and challenges that we as women building our careers have. I mean, there's always that that moment, like you said, you gave birth and then a few days later you had to go back to school. I mean, that's amazing. And uh, I'd say kudos to you. I mean, this is why you are where you are today. So I'm, that's totally, totally inspirational, Cece. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you. I know, I know that you are a member of many prestigious boards and also a network uh, crew, which is Commercial Real Estate Women in New Jersey. Uh, talk a little bit about your influence on maybe an outcome or maybe your organization and tell us about how that has impacted the group that you're leading and the environment and how it's impacted you. Sure. I would say one of my proudest moments is when I was president. I'm the immediate past president of Crew New Jersey. So I was president last year and I had two fabulous women who were my co-directors of programming, Alyssa Clark and Dana Reynolds. 
And they asked me at the beginning of my uh, service whether what what was most important to me, what was my mission for that year. And my mission was DEI. And they did it. They we, every, we meet once a month. We have a meeting once a month, a crew event. And they had all female panels. And when there was more than one uh, speaker, they had 30 percent uh, minority representation on those panels. There was only one program that it was a, a male, a sole male. So that one we didn't have. But all other 11 months, we had all an all-female panel with 30% minority uh, female women. So I was very proud of that. And it's very important to you, particularly, I know we've talked about this before, that diversity and promoting women who are diverse is impactful, I guess, to your organization. So how important is that to you? And I know you've already spoken about that was your goal, but on a personal level, why was that important to you? I mean, I just think that it's important to give underrepresented groups a chance to be in the room. That's also why I chair my, um, I'm co-chair of the diversity committee at my firm. And I just, I think it's very important to get different perspectives and, and, you know, it's, it's, it's important to have that robust discussion in the world. And I totally agree with you Uh, in connection to my statement earlier about the challenges of women in general. I mean, add a layer of the fact that you are a minority like myself and underrepresented, that really adds another layer of, of challenge. Would you agree with that? Oh, definitely. I mean, yes. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, there's been many times that I've been in a room and I've been called the secretary or, uh, you know, been mistaken for for a secretary or a paralegal. It's just assumed. Yes. Uh, let me tell you a story. I was in an event and I came to a table of men in the golf tournament just to say hello to some of my colleagues and one of the older gentlemen actually looked at me and said, just like this, bring me some water, please. (laughs) (laughs) And I was so angry. But you know, (laughs) I am a forgiving person. So I just forgave that old man (laughs) who doesn't know any better. But but nonetheless, yes, I agree. It is so important that we who are underrepresented, have a voice at the table, have a voice in a room, and be able to share kind of our thoughts and perspectives, which are quite unique because of our journeys. So thank you for that. And and I'll just add that you can, uh, you know, you can turn it to a positive. So I have an example of where a gentleman, he, I think, I can't recall if it was on a chain, like a, a bunch of people on the same email, but he made reference to me being a secretary on the chain with everybody on it. And I wrote back and I said, I am not the secretary. I'm an attorney. And he was so embarrassed. He called me after that. And he said, I'm so sorry. I just want to say I'm so sorry. And he's literally been sending me business since that day. So you can turn it into a positive. (laughs) Always, always. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. Amazing. So if you had one piece of advice, Cece, for our listeners who are tuned in today, what would that be? I would say it would be persevere through your darkest hour. 
um, at times when, you know, things aren't going the way you want them to, or you have a challenge, that's when it's a true test of your character. And that's when you need to dig deep and, you know, follow through. Martin Luther King Jr. said, the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he or she stands at times of challenge and controversy. And that's, that's what I believe. I love that. I love that. And I'm sure that our listeners appreciate what you just shared with us just this moment. So, Cece, we have come to the moment of our podcast where I turn over the mic to you and you get to ask me a question. Okay, great. I would love to know how you got started doing this podcast. Well, that's a great question. And to be honest with you, the main reason why I did this podcast, aside from the other benefits of it, is that I have a 20-year-old daughter who is still living with me, and she's in college, she's in university. She actually has had many challenges in her life as she was at three and a half months old, diagnosed with stage four brain cancer. She is a survivor. She is really doing very, very well. But sometimes I think to myself, how can I be an inspiration to her? How can I offer her guidance that otherwise I would not be able to give? And so the purpose of this podcast really is to gather as many diverse women in commercial real estate and also in business to be able to share their story like you did today and inspire women, young women, like my daughter and her friends, who, by the way, in a conversation at the dining table, they told me that sometimes they would Google for women podcasts or anything that maybe they can they can subscribe to uh, for women. And it's very difficult to find those. So I figured that makes a whole lot of sense for, uh, for me to do that. And, and just, sorry about that. And goodness gracious, I forgot to turn that off, but yes. So that was kind of the main reason as to why I thought it would be a great idea. If a woman at any stage of her life or career, even at a later stage, like myself, I learned so much from the women on my podcast, you know, to be able to have a platform where they can listen in and actually gain insight and knowledge that otherwise they would not be able to reach. And to tell you honestly, a lot of men, young men have told me that they, they're so excited every time a, an episode drops. So because I believe that Learning about women and their challenges, I think, make make men a little bit more aware of how they need to understand, for instance, a future wife or girlfriend. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for that question. That's amazing. I just love how you were like, my daughter wanted, it's almost like you wanted, they were looking for inspiration and it was lacking and you said you would create it. And you, you did. You're creating this podcast to show your daughter and her friends. And I'm going to show my daughter as well. I think that's wonderful. Oh, thank you. I I really appreciate it. It's very exciting that we are now starting to grow legs with this podcast. And um, I'm just uh, really really looking forward to how it will grow next year, 2024 and beyond. 
So I want to thank you, Cece, for taking the time to speak to me, for sharing your story and, and all of the, the golden nuggets that you've shared today. And I wish to hopefully one day get to do something with you. I would love that. I would love yeah. to meet in person one day and get to work together. Yeah, that'd be so awesome. And once in a while, I do visit New York City. Okay. I used to live there. And uh, maybe we can we can have coffee or lunch. Uh, definitely, definitely. Next time you're in town, please let me know and I will meet you in the city for lunch. Oh, that's awesome. Well, thank you. And I know you still have the rest of a Friday. <laughs> thank <laughs> God it's Friday. <laughs> but um, I appreciate you so much and I wish you all the best. Happy holidays. Thank you. Happy holidays to you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you.